Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Strive for Strength podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Strample, otherwise known as Fears to Fit, and I am a fitness and business enthusiast, and I'm bringing you the stories of not only myself, but other incredible human beings to help educate you on all things personal development, business, health, and mindset, so that as millennials, we can mobilize our generation and rise. So before we hop into today's episode, I have a little resource that I want to share with you guys that I've actually been using recently and has helped me and my business so much. So I started using what's called Great Ad. It's instant websites to sell your products, services, and tickets. It's free to create a profile that gives you mobile first website for your customers to visit. So you know that little link that you put in your Instagram bio? This is going to condense everything that you want to show to your audience, whether you be a business owner or just looking to create more of an impact on your profile. I absolutely love this app. It also allows my clients to leave testimonials for me, which has been absolutely amazing for my business. So if you're looking for something that's going to help you with your business, put all of your stuff in one place together. Great at is absolutely amazing. So I'm going to leave a link down in the description for you guys to check it out. And now I just want to read a little review of the week because I promised you guys I would start doing that. So if you guys want to be featured for the review of the week, you can just leave me a review here on iTunes. It just helps us grow this podcast and reach more people, which ultimately is the goal. So this week's review comes from Elsie and she said, this woman is a powerhouse and even at her young age has seriously beyond educated herself on every topic she speaks about and is so passionate about helping others. Her podcast blows me away sometimes and how down to earth she is, even with her success and how realistic and relevant her topics are. Love, love, love. So thank you so much, Elsie, for leaving that review for me. Again, if you guys want to be featured on next week's review, just go ahead and leave a review down below. You guys know I would love and appreciate it so, so much. And now let us hop into today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Strive for Strength podcast. Today, I am super excited because I have somebody on who is super, super passionate about something that I recently have found a love in, and that is gut and digestive health. And we have Sarah K. Hoffman. She is known as a gutsy girl on Instagram. So Sarah, welcome to the Strive for Strength podcast. Thanks, Kendall. I'm so excited that you have me on today. Yes. So I'm really excited for you to share your journey and a little bit of the insight that you have as far as it goes with your own experiences and all of the amazing knowledge that you have. So Sarah, if you could tell us just a little bit about you, whether it be um, your services, you know, how you got started within um, your journey towards health and fitness. Okay, so it's kind of a long story. So maybe as I'm going through telling it, we can just like stop and like talk about, you know, whatever might be applicable during that period of my life or that part of the journey. Um, Because I didn't just go from not doing anything or not, you know, having anything in life happen to, you know, helping women on their own journeys and offering things like that. So I never start there because that's not really where this all started. But anyways, so my journey pretty much started, I mean, I had a fairly normal childhood. I don't remember much from my childhood that stands out from a health standpoint, except that my godfather, Jack, used to always say to me, oh my gosh, you're sleeping again. <laughs> so I, like, I was just always really tired and lethargic. Um, but other than that, you know, like I was fairly active and, and everything. So, um, but I think probably what really happened was my senior year of high school, um, I really started to get into dieting and um, 
working out a lot and really under fueling. And I think that was kind of like the point where my real journey began was my senior of high school. So I went to college and when I went to college, things quickly turned sharp and headed south. Um, Early in my freshman year, I got really sick. I got the flu and tonsillitis so badly that I was nearly out for two weeks. Um, I couldn't get myself to the doctor. I couldn't, I couldn't really do anything. Um, but I did take a round of antibiotics that I desperately needed then. And my life just kind of went on, but it was at that point when this vicious cycle really began. Um, I, and this is something that anyone that has had like major gut issues will totally be able to relate to, but i today I feel so thankful because I had my own dorm room because I started to just develop the worst stench. Like, I mean, I, I could eat almost anything and it was like the whole room just like smelled of rotten eggs. It was awful. Um, but it was that, you know, and it was also my freshman year of college when I, that all the gut stuff started, um, I started to get a lot of acne. Um, I gained about 15 pounds. I, it was just like, just a whole, a a lot of stress, you know, a combination of a lot of things that I think would really kind of spark this downfall. Um, and so what happened was I went home after my freshman year of college for the summer and I thought that it would be a great idea to go on Weight Watchers so that I could lose the weight. And I thought that it was going to solve all my problems. And what happened was I did lose all the weight and then some, but I was barely eating. Um, and it going back to college my second year, then, you know, it was like a lot of, wow, you're really thin. And it really just like fueled that desire to just keep going. And and yeah, I mean, just keep getting thinner and do whatever I had to do. So I stayed miserable in my stomach, but I, I was getting more compliments. So I just kept going around and around in those circles. Um, and then what happened to me was my junior year of college, I was chronically ill. Um, I had tonsillitis and pharyngitis about every single month for the entire year, which also meant that I was on antibiotics every single month for an entire year. And so at the end of my junior year, the doctors decided that they were going to remove my tonsils and my adenoids. By the time they had been removed, they were so scarred and infected that they were like rotted out. Um, I used to get tonsil stones that would come up and that were like really foul tasting. A lot of people, if you've if you've had this, you know what that is. Or if you've never been diagnosed with it, that's what it is. It's like a real thing. Um, and so they took them out. And so then I was like, thought magically everything was going to go away. I was like cured, but it turns out that just because you fix one thing doesn't mean the underlying issues go away. And then in fact, in many ways, it was then that I, that I got even worse. Um, because right after that, a couple of weeks after the surgery, I was driving, uh, back up to Minneapolis. I live in Minnesota, by the way. Um, I was driving back up to Minneapolis. And I remember thinking that it felt like my tongue was pulling to one side of my mouth. Like it was like chronically like scraping against my teeth. And it was like this weird feeling like my mouth was super dry or something. And I could barely talk. It was just bizarre. And I had no idea what was going on. It wasn't like a physical pain. So it wasn't something I needed to run to the doctor for. But shortly after I made a 
an appointment with the dentist and the dentist, they had, they had no clue what was going on, but they still prescribed me with the antibiotic, uh, nice statin, which is, um, like for thrush, if you have like oral thrush, but clearly I didn't have oral thrush. It was just kind of the only thing they could think of. So they gave me that, but the dentist said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, perhaps you simply just have an intolerance to food. And that, that was the first time in my life that anyone had ever said anything about food to me, that maybe the things I was eating was, wasn't working with my body. And so in a sense, that dentist really changed my world because I started to think about food very differently than I ever had before. I mean, before food was just like Weight Watchers. What was low fat? What was low points? What was, I mean, how could I eat the least amount of points and get the most. And for me, that always meant like the two point snack cakes, you know, or like having suckers that were one point, you know, it was just crazy. But, um, so that is where it ends. Like my college ends. Do you have anything like up until there? Cause then we can keep going further. Um, as far as it goes with you actually getting into like this world of just like loving gut and digestive health and like really starting to learn about it. Um, what really, I know that obviously brought up concern for you and that was something where you're like, okay, like food intolerance, this is actually something that actually might be something I need to look into. What then for you was like the connection where you're like, I need to focus on my gut health. Well, because then what happened right after college is I moved to California for a job and a job that I was miserable in. And I'll never forget, I had to wear a three-piece suit every single day. And one day I was so bloated in my stomach. I had to leave work just so I could unbutton my pants because it was so miserably uncomfortable. And at this point, I'm still like eating everything, doing all the things. I like, I'm still not really made. I mean, the dentist, yes, had said that to me, but I didn't want to change things I was eating. You know, I didn't want to change the way that I was living because that was like hard. That was like, well, what, what are you supposed to eat? It's like today, you know, everyone's like, what are you supposed to eat? What's good? What's not good? What's healthy? What's, you know, and I didn't know. So I was feeling miserable. And the, the actual point when I started to realize it was in 2008. So that would, would have just been a couple of years after that. In 2008, I had my first colonoscopy and it was then when I was diagnosed with colitis. And the kind of colitis I was diagnosed with back then was called proctitis, which affects the lowest part of the colon, which is the rectum. And what the doctor did immediately was he prescribed me with um, a suppository called Canasa. And I just took it, you know, because I was at that point, I was so bloated and miserable every single day. I didn't, I felt like I didn't have any other option. My back was against the wall. And so I took it. But what happened was I actually got worse instead of getting better. And it was at that point, that specific point when I realized that food, it had to, there had to be something to it because I was actually diagnosed with something, actually had a colonoscopy and now these medications were making me worse. And so there was like, I was, had hit rock bottom. And so it was then that I decided to try it. So I did, I did this, um, detox. I'm doing that in, in air quotes because I, it, it was, but it was basically this 21 day thing, which my, the gutsy girls Bible, which is my main ebook now is based off of, I mean, that was like these 21 days. It was like the first time I ever, 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 
ever made this correlation because I felt miserable on days one through 20. And then magically, something like magic on day 21, it seemed like everything had gone away. All my problem, my stomach was like, it was like I was cured. And so I knew there had to be something to that. But the problem was I didn't actually at the time, um, I wasn't diagnosed with all of the appropriate things yet. And I didn't know enough about the gut and how to heal it. And so when day 22 came, I just kind of went back to my old ways and everything came back again. So that's that like the first time that I ever made the association was like that 2007, 2008 timeframe. That's awesome. And so, you know, when you kind of made this realization into realizing like, Oh wow, this actually starts in my gut. Now you have like the gutsy girls. Bible. I know that you, blog with a bunch of different resources as well as coaching um so for you in terms of actually taking like that leap with education um what kind of like did you go a certain route in terms of certification or anything like that because I know even for me myself um I'm always looking to learn more so for you Sarah in terms of actually um taking an educational route was it something that was done by yourself or did you take some kind of route there yes I definitely took a route there so I knew right away then that I kind of wanted to like completely devote my life to getting better and then to helping other women in particular get better because it's such a faux pas topic, you know, like women are not supposed to talk about this. And so I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to make it my mission to do this. So I kind of set the intention in 2009, 2010 that, Hey, I'm going to go back to school, some kind of school and study and learn about this. Well, the problem was I just didn't like really act on it then because I didn't know exactly what kind or what I wanted to do. So finally in 2011, I began studying at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Um, I always like knew about the digestive system, but I didn't know enough, enough about it. I did it. And I also didn't have like a well-rounded, um, you know, knowledge about just like healthy living and a healthy lifestyle in general, like based on many different diets. And instead of just like, like, you know, one certain diet, that's going to be like a one size fits all for people, because by the way, that does not work at all. Um, so yes, I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. That was in 2011. I graduated from this school in 2012 and I started, you know, just like doing some basic coaching. And meanwhile, I was studying and doing a lot. And then as of like a couple years ago, I also started studying under Chris Cresser's ADAPT Academy program, um, which I still um, am involved with and study as often as I can. That's where I get a lot of my information for, you know, resources and stuff. And um, yeah, so I will always continue to study, but yes, I do have a holistic health coach certificate. And I know um, one thing that we kind of touched on a little bit earlier too, and I think this is something that obviously now is becoming a little bit more aware. A lot more people are becoming more aware of how important gut and digestive health is. So, you know, I know from my background, it's actually um, a bit similar to kind of where you, where you said you started. And I think it just comes from that scarcity mindset that everyone has in regards to their health, where you need to do more cardio, you uh, do lots of exercise and you need to restrict your calories and restrict and to the point where, your body can no longer even handle some foods because it's just so not used to it. So, um, and I know that's something you kind of mentioned when you were in high school, that's like where things started for you. So I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the effects on the gut as far as it goes with over-exercise and under-eating. Because I know for me in my past, um, that brought up a lot of issues for me. Um, And I know it does for a lot of other women out there too. So 
Um, as far as it goes with the effects of overexercise, um, from your own experience and from the knowledge that you have, um, what kind of effects does that have on the gut? Well, so for me, what happened was I, when I was finally diagnosed with all the things that I actually think were culprits for me since my freshman year of college was not really the colitis. It was, um, SIBO, severe adrenal fatigue and a low functioning thyroid. So all of those are totally go hand in hand with like hormones and gut and, and all of that plays into, I believe that was the the result of what happened when I under ate and overexercised. Um, so for me personally, I was a long distance runner um, for about a year before my wedding. I severely under ate and I ran and all of like pain for that. Um, I, you know, here's, here's the thing, like people ask me all the time about working out when you have any kind of digestive stuff. And this is what I've learned the hard way over and over and over. And I finally, like within this past year, gave into it. And I feel the best I have in my entire life. I'm never going to change it again. Is that we all know, and we hear that stress can make our gut flare. It can make us feel miserable. But the problem is we think that stress is just, you know, daily life stressors. Like, oh my gosh, I have too much work to do. Oh my gosh, the kids are screaming. Oh my gosh. Like what if, you know, my car just broke down, but we forget to remember that working out is a stress on our body. Our bodies are not, they are so intelligent, but they don't know the difference between workout stress and everyday life stress. And when you work out and you're not feeling properly, it's so stressful for your body. And, you know, I still would do anything to be able to long distance run and to work out like crazy and to do all that stuff. I, I still work out. It's just very seemly now. Um, but for me personally, and I know this has happened to many other women as well, it led to also infertility. So it's just like, you know, you go down this rabbit hole almost, you know, it's like one, it's compounding issues. You know, the guts, you know, you you don't eat right. And then the gut stuff happens. And then because the gut stuff happens, you think in your mind that you're gaining weight and you're gaining fat. That's not the reality. The reality is that it's inflammation. It's your body's just like screaming at you like, Hey, what's going on? So then to compensate for that, you work out more and you continue to eat less. And then what happens is your hormone levels go down, your thyroid, your adrenals. I know that's not the technical term, but I still say that because that's what everyone knows them as your adrenals tank and you know, then you're left with like no energy and your hair starts falling out and you gain more weight or you lose weight that you shouldn't. And it just becomes this whole vicious cycle that until you like really get, get it together, meaning not just your diet. It's like, I have this blog post called you can't diet harder because it's so true. I mean, if you already have an autoimmune condition or you already feel horrible sometimes it's not really just your diet. It's like everything else in your life that you have to take a look at. And until you do, it's so hard to break the cycle. Yeah. And I know, um, for me, like when I was a lot younger, cause I was, um, 15 when I was diagnosed with an eating disorder and then I was recovered by age 17, but I still had a lot of digestive issues coming out of it. Um, and even to this day, I'm still focusing because I was a competitor as of, you know, just last year, um, on being able to kind of recuperate and make sure that everything is functioning optimally. But 
it's definitely a mental game. It's definitely obviously physical at the same time because, you know, your gut, it also affects your mood um, as well as, you know, like you said, that cycle. But um, in terms of everything for you, Sarah, with giving up long distance running, I myself used to be a distance runner and I know it was very hard to give up. Um, with like the mentality aspect of things and kind of like the reversal steps for you, what steps did you take in order to take action to really restore your health? I mean, literally, I <laughs> I had to learn this hard lesson over and over and over. If you look on, if you read my blog, you can see how many half marathons I've run, how many times I tried to PR those half marathons. Like I did not ever learn my lesson. There is a series on my blog I did. Um, I can't remember. It's like 2011 or 12, maybe. But I actually, it was one time that I did. 101 days with no cardio. I mean, and by that, I mean like no running, no, no intense cardio. I'd still walk, but nothing else outside of that. That was one step I took just to try to like give myself those days. And that really helped. But again, I I still fell back into it. Even after that, I think the final thing that happened, um, was this past year, I haven't done anything crazy for quite some time in September. I made a commitment to myself that I was just, I wrote this blog post. It's called rest. And I was just going to devote from September until the end of 2018 resting. And by resting, what I meant was I was going to spend more time getting massages. I was going to spend no more than 20 minutes at the gym and nothing was going to be like crazy. I, at the, during that, those three months, I didn't even do high intensity intervals. I didn't do anything. And for the first few weeks, like it was so mentally hard because all I wanted to do, because I kept thinking in my head, oh my gosh, I'm not making any progress. Like nothing's going to happen. I'm I mean, what if I lose all my muscle? What if da, 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 da? you know, you go through all of these like scenarios in your head, but you know what actually happened? Well, and also I was like going to the chiropractor and I was like just basically like doing a big rehab thing. I would lift with intention. I would just like feel the lifts more instead of just like being crazy about everything. And a funny thing happened, you know, after the first couple of weeks of like feeling like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? All of a sudden, like, I just, when I would go into the gym, I was more excited. I had more energy, like in the other parts of my life. Oh, by the way, I wasn't starving 24 seven anymore. I naturally just like my body just let go of more weight that like I had just been holding on from inflammation and, and like today, so today, you know, it's January, we're done with my resting period. And I maybe work out three, four times a week, 20 to 30 minutes at a time. And the rest of the time I just walk and I never like, I, again, like I feel the best that I ever have, but I had to like, really like, you can't just tell yourself, Oh, I'm going to take a week off of the gym. It has to be like really intentional, like quite some time to just step back. It's not that you have to completely give it up, but it's that you really have to step back. I love that. I know it's obviously really hard, but I think the one thing that, especially like you said for you was really motivating was just seeing the results, like the internal, because we're all so focused on extrinsic motivation, you know, the, the physical results as far as it's being with extrinsic. And I think when you can actually realize like, wow, it's not about how I look, it's how I feel. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing for me too, is that I, I'm not, 21 anymore. I'm 35. And I got to this place where I started asking myself, but like, what for, you know? So like every time I would say, you have to go to the gym, 
you got to run six miles because maybe you could PR, da, 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 da. then I would say, but what for? Like, I'm not ever going to be a professional athlete. I never, there was once a time in my life before I had children that I thought maybe I would do a um, bikini competition, but I'm never going to do that anymore. So really what for? If, if my workouts are leaving me drained and not a happy person outside of the gym, then it's just not worth it anymore. And um, I just believe that you can still be in really great shape by doing the like really like smart things in 20 or 30 minutes and no long distance running for me. I mean, I'm, I'm still probably going to do some trail running just because I find a lot of like peace and meditation in nature, but that's not like me trying to do any kind of, you know, PRs. Yeah. I love that. That's a great question to ask yourself, but what for? I think mm-hmm. any age circumstance, you know, just mm-hmm. do everything with intention. That's so important. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, as far as it goes with, obviously that's the exercise side of things. Um, I know for everyone, it's very different in terms of the nutritional side. Um, but in terms of where you took steps towards your nutrition, what did that look like for you when you finally, even from September on took this whole rest? Of um, well, how I eat today is very, very different from when I was first healing my gut. So I have pretty much done every single protocol you can ever think of, which is why I am able to help so many people now, I think, because I, I kind of know the implications of them, what they mean, what they don't mean. Um, but what I, so what in the very, very, very beginning, I actually worked with a nutritionist, um, but she had me do a lot of, um, like grains and a lot of foods that were high fat. But this time I didn't know I had SIBO. So that was like beside the point, but I felt miserable. I was just like, I wasn't getting any better. I just felt awful. And I started studying and doing some research and I stumbled upon the GAPS diet, which if you don't know what it is, is the gut and psychology syndrome. Um, It's Dr. Natasha Campbell's uh, diet. And I read the book and I studied it and I researched it. And one day I said, okay, I'm, I, I really have nothing to lose at this point. I feel miserable. We've tried everything that is supposed to be quote unquote healthy and nothing's worked. So I'm just going to do this. And it basically like saved my life. The problem was that I did it for far too long. And so I lived on broth, meat, and fat for far too long, which also ruined my hormones long-term, longer-term, because I was still working out so much, eating that way with no carbs, with no, but, but the bottom line is that I do believe that that, like, really started my real um, gut health journey. So I started on GAPS and then over time it evolved to different things. Like I've done everything from paleo to AIP. Um, I've had a lot of like cystic back acne and I have, um, I had so, so it, um, was diagnosed with, um, like severe perial dermatitis right around the time I was diagnosed with SIBO. A lot of times they go hand in hand, like a lot of like eczemas or, you know, skin issues. So around that time, I did a lot of like AIP stuff to like reduce that flare. I mean, so it just depended on where I was at in my journey, what kind of diet I followed. Um, But towards, you know, like these last few years, the one thing I never did was I never counted calories and never counted. I, I did. I've never paid attention to anything except for the foods that I knew that were nourishing my body for whatever I was most focused on at the time. So like a lot of people will come to me and they will say, okay, I have a low thyroid and I have SIBO. So what kind of diet should I follow? And it's so hard because like, 
there's so many different thoughts on that. There's so many different, it, there's, there could be a lot of like conflicts there, but the way that I always approached it was, okay, what is your main objective right now? What are you like mostly trying to focus on? And for me, because my SIBO was so awful, I had to focus on that and only that. And so whatever it meant to work on that is where I started. And magically then it seemed everything else started to fall into place because once you heal one, like the bottleneck of something, everything else around it starts to heal as well. Um, today I follow absolutely no diet. I went to Italy this past summer and had gluten for the first time in 10 years. I um, went gluten-free on June 20th, 2010, I believe, or 2009, something like that. And I did not have a bite of gluten until Italy this past summer. And I was so afraid, but I came back to the United States feeling incredible. And I will eat gluten from time to time now. It's pretty crazy. Um, I, I eat anything and everything today, but it's because I've gotten myself to this place. That's amazing. So, I mean, as far as it goes with an actionable takeaway for anyone who has noticed, you know, deficiencies in like their mood, stress levels, and, you know, could be correlated to their gut and digestive health. Is there any like particular steps that you recommend they take just with starting off? Like anything that they should look at in terms of their nutrition, anyone they should seek out, like anything specifically? Yes, actually I do. The first place I think anybody absolutely positively a thousand percent has to start is you have to get tested. Too many, and I, because I did this for years and it is such a rabbit hole. Dr. Google is not a doctor. And too many, even my, even my blog, you know, people, I have to remind people, like, I'm not a doctor. Like, this is not a medical place. Like this is, I am here to hold your hand after you know what is wrong with you and to really help you like get back to good with, you know, not just diet with your lifestyle too, but you must get tested. So like, let's, so let's say you were to go to my website and you read my blog post that said eight SIBO signs and symptoms. And you're like, oh my gosh, I have six of those. What that should tell you is, okay. I'm not going to search out how to heal SIBO. Instead, I'm going to go to the doctor and ask for a SIBO test. And once it is confirmed that I have SIBO, then I'm going to decide what to do and how to get better. Because you will just be like a dog chasing your tail for so long if you don't know. So that's like the first thing I suggest. If you've already done that, which a lot of people have, then I think there are plenty, you know, I mean, obviously if you have to be on medication, then you do, you know what? I used to be the person that would totally judge the whole medication thing. I I'm far, far, far from that. Now I believe that there is like this perfect, um, marriage between Western and Eastern medicine. And I, I think everyone has, they, you know, your body, you know what you have to do. If you have to get medication, you get medication. Um, then what I recommend is that you, um, whatever issue you're most trying to address, focus on one thing. Cause a lot of times when you're diagnosed with one thing, you're diagnosed with seven things like I was, you know, so focus on one, the main thing and focus on that really hard um, focus on it from a nutrition standpoint. So like, that's why I can't sit here and say, Oh, be paleo or, Oh, go vegetarian because I don't know what's wrong with you. You know, if it's, if it's that you have SIBO focus on low FODMAP, you know, and maybe you would need the medications too. I don't know. You know, if you're diagnosed with Crohn's, you know, 
don't eat nuts and, you know, maybe follow AIP. I mean, everything's going to be so different depending on what, okay. So you focus on your nutrition and you also absolutely critical have to focus on the lifestyle portion. Uh, This past year has been by far my biggest growth year from a personal standpoint. And it's all because I finally, oh my gosh, like I could cry thinking about it after 35 years, woke up to the idea that it's just like about so much more than diet. And we, you will stay in remission. You will stay healthy so much longer and like feel just incredible. If you focus on all the things in your life from, if you're spiritual, that, you know, your relationships, the stress that you carry or that you don't think you carry, but you really do because we all carry like stress. You don't know it, but you do. Um, your workouts or lack thereof. Some people don't work out enough, you know, or they're not moving enough. That could be it. Or are you working out too much? And then like really the last thing I wrote about this on my blog post recently called Living with Intention. I recommend that if you do not have a therapist, that you get one if you can, because everybody needs an outlet that is not biased, that is not going to tell you what you want to hear or what you don't want to hear. Too many relationships are so personal that they'll tell you all the good things about you, or they'll tell you the worst things about you. And having a therapist and really just being able to like lay it all out there and sort through it is probably one of the best other things I did for healing my gut this past year. Um, so I don't, those are probably the best steps that I would say to, oh, and drink water. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for giving some kind of actionable takeaway. I know um, a lot of people are quick to assume things nowadays. They know it's really important to actually go and get everything finalized before we do that Google search and um, diagnose ourselves. So um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights, Sarah. I would love for everyone to know where they can find you because everything you do is incredible. Um, so tell, tell us about your blog. Tell us where we can find you on social media. So pretty much you can find me at a gutsy girl everywhere. Um, on Instagram, I'm a gutsy girl. And then my blog is a gutsy girl.com. Uh, those are my main places I'm at there in Pinterest. I really love like sharing boards that are just like gut, really gut focused and stuff like that. So, but on Pinterest, I'm Sarah K Hoffman.com or Sarah K Hoffman. Um, so everywhere would be either Sarah K Hoffman or a gutsy girl. If you Google it, I'll come up. Um, and my blog, yeah, you know, it's, um, there's a whole story in and of itself on my blog because uh, gutsy girl really, it was, it was originally born out of this gut stuff. But what happened was after I went through a year of um, intense infertility treatments, I, the year ended um, with an awful visit to the ER where I had multiple cysts rupture and we lost the two babies. And it was at that point when I just felt like kind of isolated as a female that was now not only dealing with these digestive issues that we should not talk about, but now I'm also infertile and cannot have children. And so a gutsy girl was born and it was just really this whole idea to embody and to help and to share my stories with other women, to give them hope and inspiration and feel like they could belong somewhere, no matter what side of the 
um, gutsy coin they were on. So my blog is, you know, there is an entire tab that's all filled with gut health stuff. You can find anything. I mean, I have everything from recipes to all the information. I mean, like well-researched stuff. I have my entire 286-page ebook, um, The Gutsy Girl's Bible. I used to own a company called A Loving Spoon Peanut Butter. And when I shut that down, I now sold all my recipes. You can get that. I mean, I have free ebooks on how to make bone broth because I'm super passionate about that. But I also have, you know, sections for just general wellness and for adoption and infertility, if that's your thing, you know, and kind of our journey and how we, you know, got from a failed IVF to three beautiful babies from the foster system, you know, so whatever it is and wherever you're at on your journey for being gutsy and a gutsy girl, you're probably going to find something that you relate to. And that's actually my hope. And I love, love, love to connect with people. It's like my favorite thing in life. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Sarah. And thank you for being vulnerable and open and sharing your story. Thanks, Kendall.